On this episode, we discuss Interview with the Vampire. Also known as Frilly Sleeves, the motion picture. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen, having survived Shocktober and now uh-huh. being in Not Scary November. Uh-huh. That's so, the full name of the month. Yeah, so Not what Scary did, November. What did we watch in Not Scary November, Dan? It's not themed. I mean, we're back to our <laughs> usual regular scheduled programming. Uh-huh. So uh, we watched a we watched a movie that wasn't scary. What was it? Oh, that's true. We didn't watch Interview with the Vampire. I mean, <laughs> a scary was, movie. <laughs> what? Ah, this is supposed to be not scary. November. I mean, it wasn't that scary. <laughs> it was, oh, wow, for you maybe. <laughs> spoiler alert: Someone didn't find it eerily spookifying or whatever the <laughs> stupid thing is we do in October. See, Dan has become so desensitized by edging himself through horror movies <laughs> through his life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything that doesn't involve toenails being ripped out of somebody's <laughs> toes and then shoved in their eyes, he's like, "Ho hum, boring." Now, what is Seen it. what is horror movie edging? Because, like, what would what would a horror movie orgasm be? Well, you better make sure uh, that basically, it has it's, edger to I mean, it. it's it's Hellraiser two, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, a movie I've seen a couple of times. So. <laughs> Whoa, stop bragging, dude. <laughs> yeah. Now, Hellraiser 2 was lost in New York, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the one with or the... was it the, the, the great depra- Hellraiser caper? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's got that depressing Donald Trump. Uh, I feel like I feel like Hellraiser Two: Secret of the Ooze would actually be pretty fitting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Actually, that's a pretty good description. Yeah, <laughs> except all the ooze is pretty much just blood. Right? Also, Electric Boogaloo isn't that far from the truth either. <laughs> <laughs> I do think of a boogaloo when I think of Hellraiser Two. <laughs> I mean. When you're deep in it, you're like, oh, wow, this is definitely a boogaloo. Uh-huh. Um, and it's electric. It's electric, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. not one of those those old analog boogaloos that doesn't have electricity. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, so, yeah, what are we doing this here podcast? Well, we Danny? watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. But we did it a little differently this time. Ellie, uh-huh. uh, explain. Why are we, we watching little, this movie? We tried a little experiment this time. We wanted uh-huh. to let you, the listeners, just help us decide what the Flophouse should do. Because, let's be honest— we're not always that great at deciding what movie we want to do. Often mm. it is based on what the shortest running time is because yep. we're lazy. So yep. we decided let's outsource that to the Flophouse fans. And we had a contest, uh, well, like a couple months ago, uh-huh. uh, where people tweeted with the hashtag Flophouse. Oh, wow. Uh, and one lucky listener who tweeted that was basically picked at random mm-hmm. and got to choose a movie. And so it was chosen by Christy, last name withheld, a listener on Twitter. Because that's Thank what you, we were Chrissy. doing the contest. Christy. Christy, and I'm sorry. It's okay. Look, we all make mistakes in life. And Stuart, mm-hmm. we're not the sum that's, total of our if, mistakes. If that's the biggest mistake I make today, even, I will be impressed. <laughs> and we asked Christy uh, why she chose this movie, Interview with the Vampire. And here's what she said. She said, hi, Peaches. Thanks for selecting me for the contest. Because of the current state of the world and my own personal emotional difficulties over the past year, sorry to hear that, Christy, yeah. I've been indulging myself with nostalgia. As part of this exercise and never leaving my couch, I recently rewatched Interview with the Vampire. 
Just a note, I read it like that because all the vampires have accents like that in the movie, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm Tom Cruise. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's pretty meta, but I like that scene. I hope you enjoyed my performance in Far and Away <laughs> with my then wife, Nicole Kidman. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, that's me inter- inter- interrupting my own self. Uh, she said, I recently rewatched Interview with a Vampire. It came out my senior year in high school, so my friends and I were perfectly poised to be very cool and mature and see a sexy vampire movie. How could you resist Tom Cruise in a blonde wig, Christian Slater, and Brad Pitt? That was a wig? (laughs) (laughs) You thought that they just showed him a ghost until his hair got light? (laughs) It was some Slamma-Jamma level level wigs. Uh (laughs) We were shocked and delighted. The violence felt bonkers at the time. Then you throw in some fun period costumes and light light homoeroticism. I would argue with the phrase light homoeroticism, and we were hooked. Plus, Kristen Dunst is kicking ass opposite two guys who could be downright doofy at times. Teens mm-hmm. today honestly don't appreciate what they have with their sexy vampire options, so this one is for the 90s kids. The good parts are good, but the bad parts are so silly. It's definitely a movie I kind of love, so listening to you guys discuss it would be rad. On a personal note, I would like to thank the Flophouse, Max Fun, and the community around it for all the support over the past year. Listening to the show and talking to other fans, and she says, hey, Moonies, I don't know what that means, has truly helped me get through the roughest time of my <laughs> life, and I love you all. So thanks, Christy. Thank you for taking I mean, part in the contest. She's obviously for, part of the cult of the Moonies. <laughs> oh, so she got married at a stadium with with, the, with all the other people who, from the owners of the Washington Times, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe uh, Moonies are fans of the Mac Tonight character from McDonald's. you're right (laughs) but who is it that would be everybody in america we all love that character i just briefly flashed on the inevitable deviant art of mac tonight and uh uh, it disturbed me (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah you glimpse things that man wasn't meant to know or was very much a real hellraiser too Mm -hmm. uh so so we took that recommendation and we watched interview with the Wampire. Uh-huh, which yep, that's is, how they I say it. Which is a movie, I have to admit, I had never seen before. Yeah, and neither you guys have not seen this movie. No, neither right? of us had seen it. And I'd seen it a yeah. couple times. So. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, clearly, Wampire, clearly you know why, having stuff. seen it recently. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to read uh, the so, Anne Rice novel, but I found it so overheated and just purple prose that I was like, uh, I threw it across the room after a couple of chapters. Uh huh. Yep. To to lay in a heap with the other books that you've discarded, uh-huh. such as my... what? How to win friends and influence people. That kind of stuff. <laughs> I actually did read that book when I was a kid. Zen and the oh, old I've, art of it... motorcycle maintenance. Yeah. There's two. There's two good lessons in how to win friends and influence people. It's the same two lessons over and over again, which is remember people's names. Yeah, also, I didn't learn that one. I'm very bad at that one. And also, if you want help, if you want somebody to help you with something, tell them how. Why helping you, that you is going to help them get what they want? Oh. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Anyway, some, and he says that over and over yeah. again with with lots of examples. Now, guys, okay, Dan, yeah, uh, I had a joke about Anne Rice's name. Uh-huh. I was okay. going to say, but I feel like we've gotten past it. Should I still say it, or should I just? I mean, I feel like now you've well, brought the maybe, thing maybe, to a screeching halt again. So maybe Dan can... will just uh, edit it, it back where it was supposed to yeah. be. So why don't you just okay. grip it and rip it, dude? So, so okay, I'm going to say this, and then you cut it out using the edit function of whatever program you use, GarageBand okay. or Sound, SoundCloud mm-hmm. or something, and then move it back. Okay, guys, uh, my iPhone got all wet, and I put it in a bag of Anne Rice books, and it didn't help at all. <laughs> okay, so just keep all the laughter and, and edit that and put it back earlier when you mentioned right. Anne Rice. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. And okay. actually, just edit, take that laughter I just did, and just 
Just splice that in. Just that the whatever. Episode, yeah. Yeah. Just pepper it. That's good. Yeah. That's good laughter. Yeah. It's yeah. like uh, in the old uh, the old Dean Martin's roast TV shows, mm-hmm. they would shoot. They just Wait. use random footage. Wait, somebody roasted Don Martin? I thought he was a great cartoonist. <laughs> oh, boy. No, no, no. They would do these TV shows where it, would, it was roasts of famous people, and uh-huh. they had this one shot of Jimmy J.J. Walker laughing, and they would just cut that in wherever they needed a shot of somebody laughing. So you're like, this guy loves all the comedians. Yeah. Okay. Interview with the vampire. So the year is 1990-something. I don't know. I think it and came out in 94, right? 94. Okay, Jurassic Park, AD1. Uh-huh, so it yep. was one year after Jurassic Park. So San Francisco, that's the city we're in. And Christian Slater is a reporter who's interviewing Brad Pitt, who says uh-huh. that he's a vampire. Now, okay. this is the first thing that I found inexplicable in this movie, because uh-huh. apparently at the at the beginning of the interview, Christian what? Slater. I mean, it's, the movie's called Interview with the Vampire. What's inexplicable about it? At the beginning of the movie, uh, Christian Slater apparently We're supposed does. to believe a vampire will go on record about his activities. No, no, no. When he, when they start the interview, Christian Slater does not know that Brad Pitt is a vampire. So I'm not quite clear why Christian Slater is interviewing this guy. Uh, like he um, said that he followed Dan. him. He like seemed interesting, and he had these tape tape recorder at the ready to just like record a guy that he found interesting. Now, Dan, I and this have two- is pre-podcast too. So, <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I have two explanations for you. One, okay. either Christian Slater is a kind of Joseph Mitchell type, uh, around and about the city reporter, okay, who just kind of like just Joseph Mitchell, author of the the stories in the book up in the old hotel. Uh-huh. He just kind of goes and finds interesting characters and interviews them, and then writes about it. Or, uh, you're a reporter for a local San Francisco newspaper. Brad Pitt starts following you, a major movie star. Yeah, and I see. Says, hey, want to interview me? Yeah, an exclusive interview with Brad Pitt. Yeah, star of California. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to turn that down. Thank you. This guy is and forgetting he's, how movies work again. And but. he's dressed to the nines. Andy yeah. has a ponytail. What? <laughs> okay. I guess he is a, he is worthy of interview then. <laughs> he is very handsome. Let's not forget. I, that I can too. only assume that, and and based on his fingernail length, he's probably a magician. <laughs> right. He's got so stories, really, I can only assume. Or he just likes cocaine. And also, like, not to not to jump ahead too much, but like throughout this entire movie, Brad Pitt's character, Louie, uh-huh. uh, without really doing anything, seems to draw everyone to him. Like there's some kind of inexplicable quality, or maybe it's just his natural beauty and uh moral mm-hmm. code that makes everybody want to be around him. And maybe that Christian Slater got pulled into that same level of charm. And All right. Well, I mean, I he mean, is a creature of the night. I do have to buy into <laughs> it to buy into the rest of the film. So yeah, it's I like will. watching Crouching Dan- Tiger, Hidden Dragon and complaining about the magic. Yeah, Dan is like, I'll buy that they're vampires. They're immortal creatures <laughs> who eat human beings and suck blood. But that anyone would want to interview Brad Pitt? I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's the character, not that Brad Pitt. But. Yeah, I mean, now, it's, now, it's Louis. Now, Stuart, yeah, oh, so, that, so the real issue is that he might start masturbating in front of him since it's Louis. <laughs> but now, <laughs> no, but thank real? you. Yeah, <laughs> now, a little bit. But <laughs> now, Dan, uh, Stuart has put his finger on the main weakness with the movie, which we'll just say ahead of time, which is that Brad Pitt's Louis character is not much of a character. Everyone's drawn to like his purity, they keep saying, but really he's just kind of like a depressed, like, ooh, boo, boo. But here's the thing he may be a black hole of a character, but black holes 
have an inescapable gravity that things are drawn to. Mm. Oh, Elliot oh, was working on that one all night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was doing the math. I was do- up all night doing the math, and my wife was like, come to bed. And I'm like, no, I've just got to. I think I've I can to- do this. <laughs> I've got a beautiful mind this. I've got string across the room connecting yeah. all these pictures. Okay, so Brad Pitt tells his story. He starts back in 1791 in Louisiana, uh-huh. back when uh, Louisiana easy. was still part of the French Empire. But it's the Big Easy. Uh or not quite the big easy, he's, he's a plantation outside of New Orleans. Yeah. He is a widower who ha- lost a child. He hates his life. He's trying to gamble his life away, but he just can't seem to get killed. And it mm-hmm. happens even less after vampire Tom Cruise stalks him and turns him into a vampire with what I can only describe as a flying orgasm bite. Because <laughs> he gets bitten and it's like the yeah. most amazing – it's like he is – it's super pain. But as Pinhead told us, there's a thin line between pain and pain. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I don't want to derail us right off the bat yet again. But this was question number two I had about the movie, which is – It's an interview, Dan. Bring on the questions. Lestat doesn't seem to care for anybody. Uh-huh. So why did he decide randomly to turn this guy into a vampire to hang out I with? I mean, like, that's Man, the whole ha- point of the story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude, yeah, that's the whole, like, the whole, so you have to, so you have to buy into the idea that Brad Pitt is this magnetic personality, but Lestat is very clearly looking for a partner in crime. He's uh-huh. lonely. Yeah. The whole, the movie yeah. is about loneliness, essentially. That, and and right. Lestat vampire. always seems to kind of, uh, like, judge his own worth by his power over others. Yeah. And so yes. he needs somebody like Louie and well, he d- didn't quite realize what he had on his hands. Okay. Cause like I, not to jump ahead, but these like, uh, my other question is like, these dudes seem to hate each other, but they hang out for a long time. Dan. <laughs> yeah. Dan, maybe I'm, 11 I'm gonna, years. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I'm going to break it to you. These guys are gay. Okay. They, uh, and oftentimes I think, uh, in wait, a period, wait, what makes you, what makes you say that? <laughs> Well, they see they're men who are in love with each other, but but let's say that it is the 18th century. It is not okay to be openly gay. You find another gay guy, even if you don't get along that well, you're going to be together. Like you just want a companion. You want someone to be in love with. Your options are the limited. Let's just let's just describe it with the name of the best store, the limited. Okay. It's uh this so they're going to they you know, he's looking for someone that he can make some kind of connection to, a rainbow connection you might say. Again, stereotypical <laughs> cliché gay joke, <laughs> terrible joke. <laughs> so, uh but it's and so uh but Tom Cruise says, I'm going to give you a choice. Either I eat you or you will get eternal life and the world will be super exciting and magical. And he goes, "Yeah, okay, do it." And he drinks Tom Cruise's blood because that's how you turn into a vampire. Is the vampire feeds you their blood. Yeah. And at this, so much of the movie is voiceover from Brad Pitt that is so like florid and purple prosy. Mm-hmm. It's like a radio play almost. And let me tell you this: I think I saw this movie at the right time in my life, guys. Because if I had seen this when it had first come out, I would have been like, "Oh, this is lame. It's so cheesy and stupid." But watching it now, I'm like, I love it. I love that the language is so impenetrably thick and like it's so over the top and melodramatic. I was like, "Yes, please, more of this." I feel Turned like to me, I, I'd like Gumbo to imagine style. that Elliot would have watched this movie and then grown his hair out and become like a super goth. <laughs> like that would be in like the butterfly effect scenes where Ethan Suppley's character has like a crazy flock of seagulls haircut or something. So I'd like to be in that butterfly effect world. I mean, I, when I was in college, I was once walking down the street in New York and a guy walked towards me. There's two guys who were dressed up like vampires and they had cat's eye contact lenses in yep. so that they had like weird eyes and they had fake fangs in and uh-huh. it was clear they were. This was not Halloween. It was not a prank. Like these guys thought they looked like the shit, like walking uh-huh. around dressed like vampires. And one of them looked at me and made like a scary face, and I burst out laughing. And I felt really <laughs> bad about it because that guy was just trying to find himself. 
Anyway, mm-hmm. so if that guy's listening, I apologize. And you, okay. and and real quick, and you, you haven't read the books either, Elliot, right? No, because I, I, I have, I haven't read the books. Okay. No, I've never read them. I'm curious now. I'm more curious about them, but I, I have much more of a patience for that kind of purple prose as voiceover than in writing. I've found, oh, okay, which is one of the reasons that I'll, as much as I like H.P. Lovecraft, I'll start reading his books and I'll be like, his stories and I'll be like, whew, okay. Are you going to tell me what's going to happen, or uh, mm-hmm. are you going to keep describing how old all the buildings are forever? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll take that over some of the, uh, the 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 less cool stuff, <laughs> like the the weird racist shit. No, no, certainly, I'm not saying it's the worst thing about HP Love. I don't know. I mean, I think racism. you singled it out as being. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm just doing a little virtue signaling here. Elliot. If he has, if he has one flaw and he doesn't, it is that he spends too much time describing buildings. <laughs> <laughs> now, so uh, yeah, if, I mean, if you want to check out the books, just go over to the corner and dance uh, discarded book pile and pick it up. <laughs> just dig through there, find all those books about uh, about not about uh, what frying before you were into baking. You were really into frying, and uh, just uh-huh. get rid of those. Yeah, uh-huh. just uh, just go, dig through all the used up pornography, which has had the life sucked from it, much like a vampire with its victim. Uh-huh. And yeah. Anyway, so now Brad Pitt, Louis. Now that he's had that, I always kind of life. felt like used up oh, pornography God. would be more like uh, like a horcrux and be imbued with emotional energy, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to desiccated. But that's me. But go on, Elliot. Okay, now, uh, now, Louis. He, now that he's a vampire, suddenly he can see the life inside of the world. He has this like greater set way of of seeing what things are imbued with life. So a statue kind of winks at him or something <laughs> like that. What uh-huh. happens? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's. Yeah, it looks. I'm glad that that, eyes. That, that that plays an important part later in the movie. Yeah, that's never really addressed again. But he can see like moving statues. Uh, He's just like, cool. That statue can it's, move. Anywho, it's, it's weird. It's weird to try and show extra human perception by just adding like a weird special effect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Brad Pitt tells Christian Slater, crosses don't hurt them. Stakes through the heart don't hurt them. They're vampires. They yeah. do need to drink blood, and they do sleep in coffins. Mm-hmm. So, like the things that would hurt a vampire are not around, but the cool, morbid stuff they still have to do. Why do they sleep in a coffin? I don't know. They could easily sleep in a four-poster <laughs> bed that shuts out the sunlight. You know, just sleep in a sleeping bag zipped up over your head. Nope, gotta be in a coffin. Uh-huh. And uh, let's just say this about Tom Cruise: he is loving playing this part, or seems to be at least. Oh man! Like, like not to jump ahead, but like. He is making a meal of this role. Yeah. I got to say, like, I, it's, while it was happening, I was like, I don't know if I like this performance. But then as soon as he leaves the movie, I got a lot more bored. Yeah. Yeah. No, How could he, he not like that performance. And I, I remember at the time. I was, like, I was just iffy on it. I was like, is this too much? Is this not too much? Like, I just couldn't kind of get a beat on it. But but I, did, I came down on the side of. Of liking it, obviously, if I got bored after he left. Well, this movie had such like a troubled production and it went through like it was was almost made in the 70s. And then like so many different actors had been approached for this role. And then when Tom Cruise finally took it, like I guess like fans were up in arms and Rice would not watch the movie and disavowed it. And then years later, saw the movie on VHS and wrote him a letter of apology, which makes me kind of happy. Yeah. (laughs) Because, like, (laughs) he fucking goes for it, man. And he's good in this. (laughs) Like, it's a a reminder that Tom Cruise is a fucking movie star. (laughs) 
Like, yeah, there's Tom, a reason there's why he's a Tom huge Cruise movie than star. just fly, falling out of helicopters and hurting himself for our music. <laughs> like, yeah. that he could he can actually be a character, and he's so like, like he's making the most of this this over the top. I mean, come on. He's he's a decadent vamp, a feet vampire in the 18th century who like he's like laughing all the time and biting open rats and pouring their blood into into wine glasses. Like he has to have fun with it, or else yeah. what's the point of this character? Yeah. And he's supposed to be the dramatic opposite to Louis, who is melancholy and just looks unhappy to be in this movie. Which, once again, according to IMDb trivia. Brad Pitt was very unhappy to be in this movie. Oh, interesting. Which I can understand because Brad Pitt is sitting there on, he's on set watching Tom Cruise have a great time. Uh-huh. And he's supposed to play this character <clears throat> who basically exists just to be like, mm, I don't want to eat people. I want to be a good guy. Oh, why am I so, why do we have to be evil, Lestat? <laughs> well, come on. He's oh. like, why, is he's, my, why are my stats so low? If I ate more people, I'd gain experience points. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he is, so you can understand why Brad Pitt, he isn't given that much to do except just kind of like, not even scowl, just kind of look at things and purse his lips and uh-huh. basically be like a walking underwear model. Yeah, more like, like, more like interview with the Mopire, am I right? Uh, uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's do another pass on that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, even interview with the sad pyre would have been like a little bit better. I mean, uh, interview with the wampire is probably. Oh, uh, there we go. Stuart got it. Stuart cracked that one. Uh, the Although, if it was interview with the vampire, you might think it was about George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would have been like you know, if this movie had been made what ten years earlier, that would have been great. Uh. Um, the uh, but like just looking at him wearing those fucking contacts, I'm like, that can't feel good. No, yeah, yeah. They, I'm sure he was very uncomfortable. But so basically, you have your dynamic, which is. Tom Cruise loves killing people, loves eating them. He's decadent. Mm, he he's loves dead life. and loving he it. I can't believe it took you this long to get to there. So basically, Tom Cruise rules, Brad Pitt drools mm-hmm. in terms of having fun being a vampire. Uh, yep. And Brad Pitt's like, why do we have to be bad? They th- He throws Tom Cruise around in a fight with very obvious wire work that is, looks hilarious, where yep. it, it looks a little bit like he's pushing Tom Cruise on a swing in the mm-hmm. middle of a dark forest. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I'm into it. <laughs> Uh, now, Brad Pitt, we should have mentioned up till this point, he's the hero of the movie. He also owns a plantation and is a slave owner. Uh-oh, uh-huh. guys. This is kind of a footnote in the movie that really nowadays I think would be more problematic to yeah. present that the that the good guy hero of the movie <clears throat> owns human beings. And so the people slaves would be, realize— People would be less sympathetic toward him. <laughs> I think so. And more sympathetic to Lestat, who, at, as far as we know— is more of an urban cosmopolite and does not own slaves. Although yeah. he seems to have no real issue with it. I guess what I'm saying is they, there's no scene where they enlist in the Civil War to fight on the side of the Union. Yeah. This is not the opening title sequence to X-Men Origins Wolverine. Sorry, yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, so Brad Pitt's slaves, they realize the truth and they start doing a bunch of voodoo ceremonies. Uh-huh. This part of the movie doesn't has not aged particularly well. Yeah. And Brad Pitt breaks down and kills the one slave that really seemed to like him for him. Played really by played him. by young Tandy Newton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh oh, to be honest, Tandy Newton still seems pretty young. Yeah, Guys, she's incredible. Yeah. She's just ageless. She's Maybe just she's a vampire. <laughs> okay. Okay, we I guess we have to go kill her. <laughs> I guess the three of us. Well, this is my uh, I guess this is my uh, responsibility. Killers. Yeah. Now cut to 
us being found by the police with a dead Tandy Newton. And we're just oh, like, no. it, guys, let's explain. And I think you're going to agree. I guess we had to do this. Yeah. Like, and the, and the podcast police, for you to the, listen to. The, the arresting officer is very hairy. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's a werewolf, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's like, we got to go kill again. this guy. Oh, boy. Cut to credits. Uh, in a fit of shame, uh, Lestat tells his slaves, you're free, and then burns his own house down. Not uh, the first time that's Lestat Louis, will... right? Louis, not Lestat. Oh, sorry, Louis. Not Lestat, I'm sorry, Louis. Not the first time Louis will burn down a building, but Louis uh-huh. burns his own house down, and Lestat mm-hmm. is miffed. He's like, all our stuff was in there, which is basically <laughs> what he says. He's like, we don't have any stuff now. Uh, they go to, what, New Orleans now? And uh, Louis, Lestat's always like, Louis, you should kill some people. And Louis's like, no, I'm just going to keep eating rats and chickens. And I think the funny thing is, Eating chicken, eating the blood of chickens is presented as like disgusting. Who would do that? I eat chicken all the time, guys. Uh-huh. Look, but you eat the blood. <laughs> yeah, do you, eat do you the have blood? like I mean, blood sausage made of chicken? Like I don't understand. No, that's true, but it's but the idea of eating a chicken isn't crazy. I don't you know? think it's. Yeah. I don't think it's for uh, for like. It's not like it's offered. Nelly it turns it down. I think yeah. if it was available, he'd be chomping on that shit. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. I'd try it. But uh-huh. uh, so Louis just happens to be out wandering in a neighborhood that was hit by the plague, which I guess was a thing that was just ravaging New Orleans in the late 18th, early 19th century. Dan, yeah, the, the bubonic the plague. plague. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea whether this is accurate to life. Also, every, uh, they're, they're all speaking in English in the city, but it was still a French city at the time, right? Because this is before the Louisiana Purchase. But anyway, we don't need to get into that. Uh, mm-hmm. he finds a little girl whose mom has died and he bites the girl and then he runs off guilty. He's like, I shouldn't have tried to feed off that little girl. But uh-huh. Lestat is like, this is great. I love it. Finally, you're embracing being a vampire. You're like getting it, dude. I love yep. that you're finally getting it. <clears throat> and then he, uh, he invest- and, and then he gives that little girl blood and she turns into Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> yeah, that, that little girl, Claudia, or, uh, she's, you know, she's a little girl vampire now. And he's like, look, I want to give you someone to hang out with. She's going to be our daughter now. And mm-hmm. again, this is an earlier time when things were not as just and civil rights were not as evenly distributed. Uh-huh. You were a gay couple. This was the only way you could have a child was to be yep. a vampire and turn a yep. child into a vampire. Mm-hmm. And that was it. It's sad. I'm glad that we don't live in that world anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, that we don't live in a world where the plague just ravages whole neighborhoods and people are just like, don't go over there. That's a plague neighborhood. Should we to try to save anybody? Nah. That place is that pl- that part of town is dead. If mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Let's go to the downtown art scene. There's so much stuff going on. Why are you hanging out in the plague district? I don't know. I just thought maybe we should help those people. No, there's so much fun stuff going on downtown. It's really been revitalized. Was, they have the river walk now. Was this from the galleries on it? Was this the scene from the first draft where they had a really loquacious plague cart driver? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like we need to really like make that. sure that this town is a character in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Where uh, Louis like uh, he gets into a uh, he gets into a an Uber and it's like take me to the plague district and the guy's like plague district Inst- interesting well what. What do you do? Anyway, I drive Uber, but that's not all I do. I'm a rapper and I have my own company. Let me tell you all about it. And mm-hmm. Louis is like, oh, God, why did I take an Uber? Why mm-hmm. didn't I just like take the bus? Then I wouldn't have to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm saying is Louis is me in that scenario. Uh, so Claudia, mm-hmm. instantly super into sucking people's blood. She loves being a vampire. Yeah. She loves being a little girl who can kill people. I mean, she has the amorality of youth, I would say. Mm, very well put. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. well put, Dan. Describe yeah. that. Paint me a word picture. Kind of Anne Rice it up. Give me some more purple prose about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> she is a uh, natural predator. I don't know. She. Uh, yeah. Why do you? I I 
said it concisely. Why do I have to say it less concisely now? <laughs> Expand on this idea. <laughs> Look, I was just, just taken by it. Anyway, my favorite part of her, she gets her own little coffin. Yeah. But she still gets out of the coffin and goes and sneaks into Louie's big coffin like a little kid who wants to get Kids. into bed with their parent. It's super yeah. cute. Uh, time passes. They don't grow up. Claudia doesn't grow up. She never changes. And uh, eventually she even she tries to cut her hair and her hair grows back instantly. But yeah. you don't see it grow back. So she cuts her hair and then runs out of the room and runs back in and her hair is full length. And I just wish they had kept in what I assume was an amazing effects shot of all this spaghetti hair just growing out of Kristen Dunn's, Kristen Dunn's skull. Yeah. It would have been hilarious. I want to say at this point that Claudia is, I think, my favorite character because she has like a character motivation for the way she is. You know, Louis is just mopey because he's mopey. And Lestat is yeah. just mean because he's mean. But Claudia is this young girl who's trapped in a young girl's body, even though she ages, you know, hundreds of years over uh, the course I of mean, the film. As, well, and she's frustrated by if that. You, if you consider the tragedy of Louis and compared to the tragedy of Claudia, she ha- she has a reason to be mopey. Yeah. I mean, Louis has reason to be mopey at the beginning of the movie, but then uh-huh. he, after a while, he, you're like, get over it, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Batman. Uh, yeah, you don't get, have get, to hang out. <laughs> Batman, get over your parents' <laughs> death. It's a random act of violence. It happens in a city. <laughs> the, uh, you're saying that Louis uh, does not have to, this doesn't, shouldn't feel like he has to spend his time hanging out with someone who makes him do things he doesn't like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, here's my question. Here's something I've always wondered about stories where young people i mean i feel the same way about the vampire in near dark i have a question about that the kid vampire in that where if you stay as a kid then the hormones that cause you to start growing up and being a crazy person before you're an adult they shouldn't kick in right so wouldn't a kid who's a kid all the time just love being a kid wouldn't aren't they living the toys r us fantasy they don't want to grow up mm-hmm. don't want to grow up they mm-hmm. want to be a toys r us kid yeah isn't Claudia a Toys R Us kid, Dan? <laughs> well, she certainly likes dolls. There's uh, a lot of dolls a that she has in this movie. So I wonder. I always wonder if a kid stuck forever would actually want to grow up or if they would be fine just like being a kid forever. But I guess they'd probably get bored of like not being able to go to a restaurant and order their own food. And yeah. Kind of stuff. yeah, I mean, I think, my, uh, I think a lot of kids want to be adults or at least – they they want the things that they're they're not available to them, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's like point. an evocative scene of like this adult nude woman, I guess, bathing or changing. <laughs> I know I'm not why sure you called she, it evocative. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, like, it evoked a response in me, but uh, but Claudia <laughs> sees it and she's like, "That's what I want. That's what I, I want to be." That and uh, I found it, you know, affecting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's it's one of those the New Orleans of the movie is a place where nude women are always bathing in front of open windows. Yeah, just because it's I mean, that kind of place. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, New Orleans is certainly not associated with nudity now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Good point. Good point. I t- I, re- I retract what I said. <laughs> people are people. It's it's Mardi Gras all the time. People just nude in front of windows all the time. <laughs> uh, and Claudia's like Louis. We need to leave Lestat. Like he's a bad dude. Let's get out of here. And she tricks Lestat into drinking blood from a corpse, which weakens him. You're a vampire, should never drink dead blood, which I don't remember if that was a rule that they mentioned earlier in the movie. Uh, It kind of felt like they made it up in the moment, but maybe I missed something earlier. And then she cuts his throat and they dump his body in a swamp. Whoa, this movie just got real. That was a a fun scene, I think, after she cuts his throat and he's like turned into a little raisin. 
and uh, <laughs> yeah, he gets and then she makes and up. then she makes and like he bleeds like a ton. There's of so blood. much blood in him. Yeah, because <laughs> like all vampire, the blood dude. he's drank for the week just comes out of him. And it's yeah. kind of it is just spilling over. It's kind of interesting because previously, anytime like when you morph into a vampire or if you get injured in any way, they immediately heal, and when they like heal, the blood disappears, which is kind of weird. Uh, it's kind of a weird effect because like. Just because their body heals doesn't mean like the blood that's on their skin would clear up, but I guess you know well, it's magic. Who cares? They have they have a thing called double dragonisis, where uh-huh. a wound or a dead body just just disappears after a certain oh. amount of time. Sometimes uh, oh, it's replaced okay. by like a chicken leg. Yeah, I mean it's just hard to maintain all those sprites. Like it kill like it's <laughs> too much uh, too much memory to use. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so they throw his body in the swamp. But just like in the old song, Lestat came back the very next day looking <laughs> like a regular castle freak. It's <laughs> all shriveled and, and like Giorgio. Jumping and he through windows, them. yeah. But you better believe this is one guy who is not ripping off his own ding-dong. He loves using <laughs> that ding-dong. He is all about the pleasures of the flesh, specifically biting into that flesh. Uh, but in the melee, after he attaches, catch, attacks them, he catches on fire. And they burn down seemingly in the entire city of New Orleans yeah. as Louis and Claudia run onto a ship for Europe. And mm-hmm. it's this is where the movie uh, – where there's a little bit of <laughs> – This is where the movie lost Elliot because he's like, that is just – that is a civic uh, tragedy that yeah. our heroes have imparted well, upon thing, the – they also, they get on the ship without tickets, I think. They just <laughs> yeah. run on a ship. Uh, uh-huh. And yeah, guy and a little girl running on a ship. Okay, great. Uh, it's that the movie starts having what I would call like lumpy plotting. Uh, yeah. I think I've described before where it's like it was a pretty tight movie for the most part. And then now it's like time for them to sojourn around Europe meeting other vampires. And it's a, it's like it fe- starts feeling like an old melodrama movie where the plot is not super organized the way we're used to now. And it's like it reminded me a lot of the movie Now Voyager where it's like, OK, this, this character is just going around doing different things and having different personal developments. Yeah. And things. But like, it's I mean, not- it's the sort of thing you would often see in a novel where there's, you know, the buildup yes. of action. Then there's the lull and it's another buildup. Right. But also, I yeah. feel like this movie is fairly plotless in the sense that there's no goal that anyone is working towards. It's just uh-huh. kind of like people lolling about for <laughs> for centuries. This uh, yeah, this is basically the critique that Christian Bale's character would give him late <laughs> at the yeah. end of the story, right? <laughs> like, uh, where's Slater? the plot? Yeah. Yeah, Christian Slater at the end is like, I'm just going to erase all these tapes. There wasn't <laughs> enough like, narrative no thrust plot. for me. <laughs> there wasn't really a through line here. And he, you know, let's, and he throws, this is the original ending, is he throws the tapes out of his car window and then... Uh, and then a homeless woman is is sneaking around through the garbage where the tapes landed, and she picks one up and she goes, "Ah!" And then you see that's Anne Rice, and that's where, <laughs> where all where of you, her fame where, started. Where from. do you see that? And she, <laughs> like maybe it's written She's on the back got a of her name coat, tag like, on her. Like her her mom wrote Anne Rice on a tag on her mittens in case she lost <laughs> in school. Oh, and okay. she turns she turns to Don Amici and she goes, "We're back." <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So, oh, man, I'm glad uh, Don Amici got a little extra work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they go to Europe. They're looking around for other vampires. Although in their voiceover, he says he's looking around for other vampires. They mainly just go to fancy parties. But the, like, that's mostly But the thing it. is, is that once he's not doing it, she's the one doing the looking, and he just kind of hangs out. 
He's he's not the most. He's a pretty. Sl- I mean, this is a '90s movie, and that Louis is an incredibly slackery vampire. Uh-huh. Like, he's just like whatever. I don't know. Uh, like this is a vampire I could totally see hanging out in a Seven Eleven parking lot while his friends try to do cool skate tricks and keep falling yeah. down. And he's like whatever. Hey Louis, why don't you get up on a board? That would be lame. Oh god. He's like, uh, then- this sucks to have uh, a regular square job in this booming economy. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And Nirvana comes out and he's like, ugh, I don't listen to this bubblegum pop. <laughs> but so anyway, they, they're in Paris. It's the year 1870. Oh, that's right. It's the beautiful era, everybody. And he's just spoiling Claudia Rotten. And Louis meets up with some Spanish vampires. They seek him out in an alleyway led by Armand, played by Antonio Banderas, who, before I watched the movie, I didn't even know was in the movie. Yeah. So I was very excited to see Antonio Banderas back in his uh, kind of like, uh, what, El Mariachi Desperado type period when he was mm-hmm. still he was still a fresh new thing on the American movie scene. It yep. hadn't yet become the grizzled old man that we see now in movies <laughs> like what Haywire <laughs> X versus Sever. Yeah, he was he hadn't yet been aged horribly by his terrible experience in X versus Sever. <laughs> I mean, that was the thing. It was crazy to see Antonio Banderas at a time when people didn't already have the image of X or Sever, whichever yeah, character yeah. he was. When, when are we head. gonna when are we gonna get X and Sever back on American movie screens, guys? When are we gonna see that? <laughs> I mean I mean L- Lucy Liu could do it. She's fucking awesome. Yeah. I'm, she could fucking direct it for God's sakes. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I just, you know, I, I want to see our old friends X and Sever. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I mean, calm the, down, I man. Mean, calm the, down. I mean, the exciting thing about it was that you were finally seeing X and Sever fighting each other in one movie after mm-hmm. the X and Sever cinematic universe had been building up to it over like 5 movies. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. X1, X2, Sever 1. X mm-hmm. Universal Winter Soldier, yeah. Sever Two, Attack of the Sever, the double duplicate Severs, where there was the yeah. evil Sever duplicates, and then finally it was like, oh, finally X and Sever are going to be in the same. Yeah, movie yeah. Again. people were ballistic there was, over it. There was X X Two, and then Triple <laughs> X, the third one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one where he had his he had his brother and his brother's cousin, mm-hmm. and they were all identical, and they were running around <laughs> trying to stop, I guess, drug dealers and gun runners. Yeah, and what the and the cook, uh, the thief. His wife and her lover. It was called The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and X vs. Sever. That was the original title. Pretty impressed that I remembered the name of that movie I've never seen. (laughs) Uh, So these vampires all have special powers. There's one played by Steven Rhea who can walk on a wall Uh and upside down, and he is hilariously goofy. That is the vampire who is like, ugh, you brought him with you? Like, he's Mm -hmm. such an irritating vampire. He's basically doing mime routines the whole time. Yeah, he's like if Salacious Crumb didn't talk and was a vampire. That's this character. He's just an asshole who hangs around Antonio Banderas being irritating. Uh, And he's doing mime routines. Uh, Antonio Banderas can, I guess, read minds or whatever. Anyway, they run this kind of like slapstick Grand Guinal theater that's all about showing people dying in crazy ways. And then at the end of the show, they take a real woman on stage and strip her nude and then eat her in front of the audience. And the audience is like, the effects are amazing in this show. How Mm -hmm. did they do that? Mm -hmm. I really thought they were eating this woman. Armand and his vampire family, they live beneath the theater in their catacombs. And there's a scene where they invite Louis to feed from a little boy's hand. And Louis tries and then gets embarrassed. And I was like, I don't understand what just happened. That was some thing of vampire etiquette that I do not know enough about vampire manners to understand. uh, I'll I'll let you borrow my Vampire the Masquerade source book so you can uh... (laughs) – you can learn about it. I would appreciate it. But it was one, it was like uh, sometimes you'll watch like a foreign movie, like a Japanese movie, and someone will do something and all the characters will laugh and you'll be like, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why mm-hmm. that was funny. I don't understand what like this is just a foreign culture to me. And in that moment, 
I guess I was having that experience with vampires. Or maybe it's a Spanish thing. I don't know. Guys, mm-hmm. did you understand it? What, why was it embarrassing that he tried to bite that boy's hand and then nothing happened? Was it because uh, the boy was a vampire? Like, what's I'll, the deal? I don't I'll admit, I was zoning out during this segment of the movie a little bit. Cause, uh, oh, boy. Yeah, it was. there was not enough Lestat in it. So, yeah, it's true. And so Armand, he's no Lestat. He is, Armand is to these characters what most of the X-Men villains in the 90s were, where they would just show up and say cryptic things, and they'd be like, there's more to this than you even understand. I know more about you than you ever could begin to know. There is mm-hmm. another. And then that plot line would never be resolved because nobody cared. That's what, Armand is a lot of like riddles and like winking, like, He's like, I want answers. And Armand's like, you ask the wrong questions. And it's like, dude, just like fucking tell him, <laughs> like tell him the secrets of being a vampire or something. Come yeah. on. But Armand says he's 400 years old. And as far as he knows, there's no such thing as good as e- good and evil. There's just people and vampires. And that the only crime is for a vampire to kill another vampire. Because vampire law, very mm-hmm. similar to ape law. Ape uh-huh. shall not kill ape and vampire shall not kill vampire. And that's why Planet of the Vampires, where it turns out, the Charlton Heston goes to this planet and it's all vampires. Uh-huh. And then at the end, he goes into the garlic zone. That's uh-huh. the version of the forbidden zone that they can't go into. Yeah, he yeah. goes there and he finds the Statue of Liberty and it's got fangs. And uh-huh. he's like, oh, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand this <laughs> yeah, ending. Yeah. Then, he, then, he, then he turns the camera and he goes, I am legend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Tom Cruise is like, legend starring me, Tom Cruise. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh boy, here we go again. Freeze frame, credits roll. Join us next week on another exciting adventure of Lestat and Louis, Vampire Buddies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, guys, I would like the movie better if it was that called that. Better, yeah. would, now, guys, let me just put this out there. It's something I hadn't thought about. How different would this movie be if instead of Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, it was Scott Bayo and Willie Ames from the Zapped <laughs> film and also Charles Charge playing these vampires? How would this be a different movie? Uh, I mean, I mean, I think Willie Ames old. would have been a great Lestat. <laughs> yeah, and it probably wouldn't have aged that well too, because there would be they would just be trying to take women's clothes off with their minds. Yep. So yeah, that would be a problem because they're. They're like that's not the powers that that's they have. That's not the powers. Mm-hmm. Like don't you don't understand, guys. I mean, that's why that's why the Louis character would be so mopey at that point is that he doesn't have <laughs> that power. Now, here's my question: Do you think there's anyone who watched Charles in Charge and thought it was the same characters from Zapped and were like, <laughs> "Why doesn't Charles ever use his powers? What's going on here?" <laughs> yeah, why did they change the name of the show too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, like when I was watching Tomcat starring Jerry O'Connell, I'm like, why isn't he sliding everywhere? (laughs) (laughs) Or sliding, Uh, please. So uh, Claudia is like, Armand wants you, Louis, and you're going to leave me for him, and I don't like it, blah, blah, blah. And Armand tells Louis that Louis is beautiful because he is pure. He still has a mortal soul. He has all the passion of a mortal inside the immortal husk of a vampire. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I was like, really? Because he seems like the least passionate character in the entire movie. Like... Every vampire has this kind of joie de vivre they re- or joie de unvive that they really yeah. like. They're having a great time. And Louis is sad all the time. And Armand's like, no, no, no. You're the one who's truly alive. A guy who just stares through walls and doesn't say much and is just like a big mopey mess. Well, I've like I've definitely known I've known guys who have attracted people because they seem they've like projected that air of having some kind of depth or like something and people are always interested in like, oh, I want to date that guy and figure him out. And it turns out uh, I see. they're not actually that, that. That guy's not that deep. Quit subtweeting me, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, you know, you're talking about I'm, Dan. I'm, I'm working on being nicer to Dan, so I didn't want to say his name. <laughs> Dan, he, he he projects this aura of like, oh, this guy, he's really contemplating the mysteries of the universe. But then you look inside his mind and it's just like, hmm, cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah my famous works. love of cheeseburgers. <laughs> I'm basically Jughead. Yeah, or, with that or Wimpy. You're always wearing. Yeah, I think you're now, closer to Wimpy because you also uh, don't like paying for the cheeseburgers you that's eat. That's true. Well, I'd <laughs> yeah. gladly pay you Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I mean gladly. <laughs> now, was Wimpy a con man, or did he just have a very strange OCD where he could only pay for hamburgers on Tuesday? He's like, you don't understand. If I pay for hamburgers on a Wednesday, the world ends. Maybe, I need to do it on a Tuesday. Maybe well, that's I mean, that's just payday. when he got his payday. Yeah, yeah, for his I don't know accountant job. Let's say. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, I believe it. He's he, he could be an accountant, and that's yeah, why, why he loves that's why he loves hamburgers or cheeseburgers so much because it's like that rich inner life that a guy who has an otherwise boring life has. You know? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he can escape into the adventure of hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and by inner life, I mean the life that the hamburger takes on inside his body. <laughs> So wait, so in his mind, it's basically that dancing hamburger from uh, from Better Off Dead, I guess. Uh-huh, that's yep. the, that's <laughs> yeah. every hamburger when it gets into his belly. <laughs> yep. And when he sings that song, instead of everybody wants some, he's saying, wimpy, wimpy wants some. <laughs> <laughs> See, his inner life isn't that bad. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, I, he has a rich imagination. I, he's, he's like Amelie when you think about it. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why, uh, or like why wimpy the, doesn't. Or like the more. main character from Better Off Dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he was the Amelie of his time. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, uh, Claudia's really jealous, and he want, she, she's like, I want my own playmate if you're going to hang out with Armand. And she brings this woman home and says, turn her into a vampire. She's going to be my new mom or something. Or she's the doll I dress up. I don't know, dude. Just turn her into a vampire. And Louis does it. And he's, like, sad about it, of course. And then the theater vampires show up and kidnap all three of them. They say, time for justice. And for the death of Lestat, I guess, uh-huh. just because they don't like them, they sentence the two girls, uh, the women, woman who's just been turned into a vampire, who I don't even know what her name is, and to she, death by— She didn't kill any vampires, by the way, so I don't know why she's getting in, getting punished. Oh, no. I felt so bad for her because they're like, you two get death by sunlight, and they get thrown in a pit, and when the sun appears over it, they turn into ash, and it's really painful. And I'm like— Lady, you picked the wrong night to get turned into a vampire. <laughs> yeah, like you expected to freeze frame on her face, and she's like, you wonder how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, right? Well, maybe let me go to the beginning of the story. She's only been a vampire for like a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. She hasn't gotten to do anything, and they're like, you, you're dead now. At so, first, oh, she sees lady. the sun coming, and she's like, oh, great, there's that thing that doesn't cause me harm. Like what I say when I see the sun. <laughs> <laughs> When you look, just look straight at it, go, uh-huh. oh, what a beauty. I say, other than possibly getting skin cancer, I should be fine, right? Mm-hmm. The Earth's no. sun gives you its powers, your powers, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, so wait, why, I, I must have missed something. Why doesn't Louis get killed at this point? Uh, because, well, they've decided to give him a worse punishment. They're going I to see. lock him in a box for eternity until he goes insane. Ah. And uh-huh. they're saying, and they're like, they're like, Maybe it'll take hundreds of years. Who knows? And I have to admit, if I was, excuse me, if I was Louis, I would probably take the quick sun death over being locked in a coffin for centuries, unable to move or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. And they, they're so they're going to lock him in a coffin and then brick up the wall, right, uh-huh. Amontillado style. Yeah. And so no one's even going to find him. 
And then uh, he's like, no, ah! And this movie, I have to say, for about three minutes, this turns into a Tim Burton movie. Everyone's, this movie has had a certain languor, a certain, like, romantic, uh, like, decadent, you know, uh, ease to it. And then all of a sudden it's like, Yeah, and I think the, the score like even picks going, up a little <laughs> bit, right? It picks up for a minute, but it's like, wow, this, it's like they brought Tim Burton in, or like they brought a... Dan, uh, Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman Danny, came well, and punched up. The, Danny Elfman came and punched <laughs> up the score, and he's like, "Oh yeah, here's something I could do." Uh, it really it it feels like they just the, it becomes a different movie for a couple minutes, and uh-huh. but also like these vampires that are going to kill our main characters, their joy is kind of infectious. Yeah. After watching Louis moping around, being like, "Oh, I'm a wet blanket for eternity," to mm-hmm. see these other vampires being like, "We are exacting justice, and we are loving it, and mm-hmm. we're having a great time." Yep. They are. I don't. I don't know if anyone's ever described a vampire this way. They are dead and loving it. Let's mm-hmm. just say that. Uh, uh, so yeah, they brick him up, and then uh, our our other two characters, Claudia and her uh, progeny, get totally roasted, and then Antonio yeah. Banderas immediately breaks out Louis. Yeah, yeah, he just takes down the wall, and uh, Louis, you know what he's going to do next? Burn down the theater. Because how does Louis get out of every problem? Burns down the house and just leaves. What's his favorite talking head song? Life during wartime. It's not burning down the house, Weird. strangely enough. But you know what? It's because he really likes the live version that's on the Sand and the Vaseline Best oh, of okay. Collection. Yeah. I I, I kind of like this scene because it was like really goofily gory, too. Like he's like he burns, going around with like a yeah. scythe and like cutting people <laughs> in twain. So, so wait a minute. So he escapes and everybody's like watching him. Like yeah. they're watching him leave and then they're like, Okay, we'll never see that guy again. <laughs> Time to, to, go to five bed. minutes later. <laughs> Let's yeah, go to bed wa- and leave the door unlocked. <laughs> Everyone watches Louis go because Armand made the decision. He's the king of the vampires. So he gets to, they're like, okay, you can go. Yeah, and then they then they go to bed. Louis burns down the place and the vampires, it's very cartoony. They realize they're on fire and burst out of their coffins going, ooh, ha, ee, ooh, hot, ooh, ha. And <laughs> yeah. each time one bursts out, Louis scythes them in two. And that's when we learn that Stephen Rhea, I guess, has another power that he can be super fast, like Quicksilver. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Louis just, like, cuts him in in twice. He's It's like... The scene in uh, in was it Izo where the time traveling samurai mm-hmm. cuts that big that huge guy with his sword and the top half just slides right off the bottom half. Yeah, I know we've all seen that movie. Or like so that scene in Blade Two where that happens to Ron Perlman, he gets cut in half. Or the oh, scene yeah, yeah. in Thirteen Ghosts where the guy gets cut in half by the door. Or you know, or Ghost Ship where like everyone gets cut ghost in half ship. by Every, <laughs> where, where the whole world gets cut in half. <laughs> uh so but that is it is a fun scene because he's literally just cutting them up with a scythe and then uh he he walks out and the sun is out ah oh no i forgot what time of day it was i Uh forgot that i was standing around here for a while we don't have wristwatches now yeah he was blinded by his rage it makes sense yeah he was literally blinded by the light revved Mm -hmm. up like a deuce and then he motored in the night that's Uh, what the lyrics are and to be honest She blinded him with science. Let's just say that. Claudia blinded him with with vampire science when she had her turn that other lady into a vampire. I can't support that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, What about that Talking Heads song, Blind? Dan, you're on top of that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's from Naked, so I'm not really that into it. Mm -hmm. Wait, it's from the soundtrack for the movie Naked? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) What a bummer. (laughs) I mean, this is Dan is coming out against nudity, which is not something I would ever hear from him. Uh Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Dan Dan ran naked by I contain multitudes. 
Dan Ren of the movie Naked and is like, where's the nudity? Blah, blah. I'm a Danpire. And then he's, he, it's, uh, he's living that Simpsons joke. He's like, well, I'll just watch Naked Lunch. That should be pretty hot. Uh, nothing. Okay. Well. Uh, the Naked Kiss? No, this isn't any good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, now I'm trying, trying to think of other movies with naked. Mm-hmm. naked uh, let me uh, let me crack like open th- one of these naked juices to drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a disappointment. <laughs> I'll just read Desmond Morris's The Naked Ape. Uh, I mean, it's an ape. It's been still naked, right? Oh, no, it's just about people. Okay. So, guys, Armand shows up in a stagecoach just in time, picks uh-huh. him up, uh, and saves him. But Louis rejects Armand ultimately because... Armand has a philosophy of no regret. Just live in the moment, dudes. Mm-hmm. And Louis is like, my regret and my suffering, that's what defines me. That's what that's what drives me. So you know what? No, I will not hang around with you anymore. And he leaves him in, I guess, the private art gallery that they're hanging out in or, or <laughs> yep. backstage at a different theater. I don't know. He just walks away. Uh, Louis returns to the United States and really becomes a cineast. He just mm-hmm. starts watching movies and hangs out in movie theaters for 80 years, 100 years. Yeah. Like, he has a real epiphany when he sees the movie Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans, and then he just kept talks about how he finally he's able to see the sun again through movies. He's never been able to see it. And I have to, I have to admit, I found this section, this sequence, genuinely beautiful and moving. Yeah. That, like, this thing that he thought was out of his life forever, now he can enjoy it vicariously through film, now that film has been invented. Uh-huh. And I wonder, and it's like, uh, I don't, I'm curious about whether that's in the book or if it's like, Look, we're making a movie here. Let's talk about how great movies are. Like, come on, everybody, it's movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Uh, this was a play for an Academy Award, basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're also. It's funny. Like, they're obviously just showing him watch good movies. But I'm. <laughs> I wonder what it would be like the first time he encounters a bad film, and he's like, oh. <laughs> Uh, so this this isn't always good, huh? This is. <laughs> it was like uh, it was like when the first uh, like anime movie I ever watched was Akira, and then I'm like, I have to watch all of these, and I like went to the local blockbuster and got arms full of all their anime <laughs> section, and was disappointed by many. <laughs> the, uh, but now I want. I wish there was a, there were scenes now of Louis sitting in the theater going like watching something, going like. <laughs> Thumbs down. Oh, like Louie watching like, like Porky's or something. <laughs> I, I like the idea that he's watching Porky's and is like enthralled by the beauty of Porky's. He goes. He goes to see. He goes to see joysticks, and he and he thinks, assumes that King Idiot must be must be a vampire too. He's like, I must find him. He can walk in the sun. A daywalker. Wouldn't it, or, yeah? It would have been great if it was just like his the montage of movies that he's watching is like just shots from like super shitty movies. <laughs> He goes. To, he's he's seeing like Ishtar and like uh and like uh I don't know like That's the incredible the strange creatures that stopped living and became mixed up zombies like yeah. but also I'm I admire their restraint that they did not show him watching Dracula with Bela Lugosi and laughing and turning to the other people in the theater and going Can you believe this guy Come on Can you get this <laughs> Yep Come and on. he's like he's eating blood soaked popcorn while he's doing it <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly they just had that at the concession stand <laughs> Yeah it's cool. It was it was a brief promotion for Dracula. Yeah, they thought you know people they don't don't want to just watch Dracula. They want to be Dracula. And it or, was a different time, Dan. People ate different types of foods. It's okay. Sure, like people were just picking up oysters right out of the bay and mm-hmm. and eating them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Yo. laughs> That's what they were doing. They were just picking up horseshoe crabs and chomping on them. 
<laughs> oh man, uh, that sounds like Xanadu. <laughs> they were just walking into Muir Woods right outside the city and seeing all those super intelligent apes that escaped from that lab, and they just catch one and just roast it over a fire. And just have some apes stew. Yeah, oh, man, that sounds great. <laughs> so uh, Louis is and now. Also, I wish. Now that it had kept going to after this movie came out, and he like he goes to see the Sixth Sense, and he spits his popcorn. I was like, he was dead the whole time. <laughs> and he's like looking around, being like, "Did you see this?" <laughs> but anyway, I like that sequence, even though the idea it is, yeah. If it, once you realize he probably saw some stinker movies in there, like you got Louis watching like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and he's like, "They've lost the magic." I'm sorry. <laughs> But that Randy uh, Quaid, he is going to have a long career. <laughs> uh, now it's 1988. And uh, Louis, I assume, having just gone to vote for George H.W. Bush in the mm-hmm. presidential election, yep. he's wandering through a bad part of town and he kind of stumbles upon a decaying Lestat who is living in ruins and has he's just been like living off of, I what, animal blood all this time. Now yeah. he's the rat eater. He's always been making fun of Louis for eating rats instead of people. Now he's eating rats. And now, Louis, I don't, sorry, I don't yeah. understand the rules of regeneration in this movie, really. Well, each time that each time a vampire gets killed, he regenerates as a new doctor. Okay. And now he's a woman. What's that all about? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Elliot's like, shouldn't she be called the nurse? Oh boy. <laughs> and I'm like, Elliot, that's wow. I'm like, Elliot, that's, that's fucked up, dude. That like, that's horrible. <laughs> is Why that a sexist joke that? that you've actually seen around? I'm kind of shocked that I haven't seen that around. Right. Nope, that's I guess that sprung whole cloth out of my head like. Oh fun. God, you, so, you have that inside you, Stuart. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the bad part. Yeah, that's, that's you have to write your memoir, the troll inside me. That's the Mister Hyde in there. Uh, <laughs> no, I just don't understand. Like, it's been like a hundred years now. Like, no, Dan, I think you mean. It's been 100 years now. Okay. <laughs> you got to say it bare naked lady style. Uh, Another right. naked you were disappointed by. Yeah, it's been 100 years. <laughs> so shouldn't he be like fully regenerated at this point? Like, No, because I think he's been eating lesser blood. Okay. So he hasn't been able to well, come But why out. hasn't like, he just been eating humans? I don't I don't get it. Dude. He, yeah, Lestat, no, man, he, maybe he, he's bored. Okay. Maybe he I wants to change Lestat, things like, up. It's not so much about his ability. It's his confidence. Uh, when Louis left him for dead, I think it really uh, affected his confidence. Also, he had to come back from being a burned husk. So you have to assume, and it's not like he has his brother's wife killing people and bringing them to him so he can use the blood and flesh to make a new body, Hellraiser style. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's a, he's just a charred ruin that's had to drag itself around the city for 100 years, slowly accumulating flesh and blood and stuff. So I think it's like hey maybe guys, a show of how, how far guys, gone he was. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been better if the movie followed his story than Louis and Claudia's story? <laughs> I think that almost the movie, certainly. I think sure. what you're looking <laughs> yeah. for is the vampire Lestat. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Wouldn't it have been great uh, if we? I was looking at the vampire Lestat. Yeah. I, now, I look, did they make them? No, they didn't make them. Ma- vampire okay. Lestat movie. They made. Uh, but that's a Queen is that of the a, Damned. Is that I think book? is another. What but there is, is that, a book, the Vampire Lestat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's not another one of the Vampire Chronicles. Right? Yeah. I looked now, on Wikipedia about, and there's like a shit ton of those, like m- many more than I thought existed. Oh man, oh, so summer beach reading, looking forward to it. All right. Yeah, and then you get to read the Vampire Chronicles of Narnia, where it's the same as the Chronicles of Narnia, but they're all vampires. Mm-hmm. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> yeah, instead of Santa Claus showing up, it's Dracula. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, who is the Santa Claus of vampires. Yeah. Do you think that's, so okay, if you're a vampire. <laughs> oh, okay, let's work on vampire. this one-to-one correlation. 
Yeah. Uh, do you think they have like a Drac like a Dracula miss where they celebrate the birth of Dracula and like they give their kids presents and they're like, Tonight, Dracula's gonna come down the chimney and bite you. Oh and if they wake up too early they realize it's just their parents biting them and uh, the okay. magic is ruined. Yeah. Probably. That's that uh, sounds right. Guys, I you have to realize, let's just talk about Santa Claus for a moment. I don't think we've talked about this. As no. a Jewish man with children, okay. I have a horrible choice to make. Yeah. Do I give my son the power to ruin Christian kids' childhoods by telling him the truth that Santa Claus is not real? Stuart, I hate to break it to you. What? Uh, the the weird thing is the Krampus is real. Oh. But Santa Claus well. is not real. Now, but, ha- uh, how do you handle do, No, go on, sorry. I'll ask so my question I, afterwards. Do I tell him do I tell him the truth and just say, "Hey, we got to keep this a secret?" Or do I do I bring him into this bullshit mythology that I don't give a shit about, about Santa Claus that I don't, I don't care about. And I don't want him living a lie about Dick. Well, what should I do? Well, let's, that, let's call this, let's call this ask Dan. Well, no, this is, Oh, I, well, I was going to ask Elliot, like, this is what I was going to turn back on you. I'm genuinely okay. curious as to what you have done. Like, like does Sammy think like, Oh, uh, Santa comes to all of the kids in the world except for me. I guess I must be bad all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's the thing. The weird thing is, when I was a kid, that's kind of how my parents handled it. Was, oh, Santa comes to all the kids in the world except you, and yeah, remember, and like, or except us. He doesn't come to Jewish kids. That's what they say. They go, Santa doesn't come to Jewish kids, and it would be like, okay, well, that's almost worse than if it was on me. Yeah, that means. Santa, who everybody loves, is a racist, mm-hmm. and not that. And but and I'd rather that I screwed up once or twice this year than that. But I would. It just hasn't come up yet, and I'm not going to introduce it to him. Yeah, but yeah. You don't. You don't want to whisper it into his ear, and it turns into like a virus that spreads amongst all the kids, <laughs> and then pretty soon all the kids in the world are infected with the belief that Santa exactly. doesn't exist. Yeah, we don't want to truth or dare this. Mm-hmm. But uh, so he just hasn't mentioned it yet. But someday he's going to be like, "Hey, why doesn't Santa come to my house?" And I'm going to have to tell him like, "It doesn't because it's not real." Yep. You're like, uh, we don't have a chimney, dude. <laughs> this That's is the thing that this we is do California. <laughs> but lots of houses in California have chimneys. They have fireplaces for some reason. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is... I don't know why that grossed li- me out, but it did. <laughs> <laughs> like, think of all the marshmallows people are roasting in their houses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, horrible. So listeners write in uh, to... Elliot's Santa Claus Quantry, care of the Flophouse, Dan's apartment. I'll give you the address to Dan's apartment. Oh, later. God. And... Uh, and I'm just curious, what should I do? Anyway, and if, and if you're a little kid listening to this, just like blank all that last part out. Yeah, d- yeah, yeah. Don't play this for your kids. Spoiler alert. Oh, too late. But if I was a vampire, Santa Claus would not impress me because it's like, oh, he sneaks into people's houses at night. Yawn. Mm-hmm. So do I. I'm a kid. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, wait, you're a right, vampire so and a kid? Movie. So we're so we're so close to the end. Yeah, my best friend is a vampire. So uh, or or so we're. Close to the end, uh, uh, a helicopter comes around and shines a searchlight on him for some reason, and Lestat is like, ah, too bright, and Louis's like, it's not real light, it can't hurt you, it's not real, honey, the, the bad men are gone, and Le- and Louis just kind of leaves Lestat there in his pain and does not either kill him or help him, and Christian Slater, is, and Louis's like, that's the end of my story to Christian Slater. It's like, that's it, and Christian Slater's like, that can't be it, there has to be an ending, uh, make me a vampire, I want to be a vampire, me, 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 and the idea of Christian Slater with vampire powers that's not a good idea. No. Louis, do not do it. Christian Slater is not trustworthy with vampire powers. And Louis gets really mad and threatens him, and Christian Slater runs away. And Christian Slater gets in his car and is like, oh, did I just experience that? Oh, no. And he starts playing the tapes in his car. And it's only when he starts playing the tapes that you realize how dead Louis, Louis sounds and how boring <laughs> the story is probably going to be. Uh, 
It's that you almost expect at some point Louis can be like, oh, what else did I want to talk about? Uh, what else? Did I talk about being a vampire? Okay. Um, uh, and then suddenly, boom, Lestat shows up in the car and bites Louis. And he says, I'm going to give you a choice that he, d- he doesn't I didn't bite get. Louis, he bites, uh, what's Christian his Slater. Oh, sorry, Christian bites Slater. Christian Slater. He bites sorry. the Slate man. Oh yeah, Louis is long long gone. He bites he bites uh, Christian Slater, and then and he's like, I feel better already, and is driving the car, and he goes, I'm going to give you the choice I never got, and they drive across the Golden Gate Bridge as a as what a, is it what a like Guns N' Roses version of Sympathy for the Devil? Hell like, yeah, it is. And mm. it's like there was part of me that was like, I admire that they went with the most on the nose song to end this movie with, but uh-huh. I'm also irritated that they went with the most on the nose song to end this movie with. Yeah, you gotta now, you gotta end on a high note, dude. And now Lestat is going to regain his strength off of the probably not that healthy blood of Christian Slater. And <laughs> well, a lot of Slater Christian Slater slams. <laughs> and will Christian Slater choose to be a vampire? You'll find out in the second movie in the Vampire Chronicles, Interviewer is a Vampire. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you don't want to, you don't want to slam the slate man on this one. According to IMDb trivia, he donated all of his, uh, his paycheck from this movie to, uh, vampires, to vampires, to, to charities that, uh, river Phoenix supported because river Phoenix was originally supposed to play this role. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. Before he passed. Yeah. So that, yeah, that was, you know, and that was nice of him to do. So interview with the vampire. Let me just tell you this on a scale of, uh, you always, the title. It okay, doesn't fit on. the title. Uh-huh. This movie fits the title. It's uh-huh. got an interview in it, and it's got a vampire in it. And that interview, it's with the vampire. But here's the thing. Okay, so it's based not- on accuracy of title. <laughs> Although, and now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rebut my own statement. I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. We don't see a lot of interviewing. It's mainly a monologue, and uh, and Christian Slater is there as kind of like an amanuensis to take it all down. He doesn't ask a lot of questions. So on his interview style. I'm going to give him a C minus. He got the stuff. I mean, and that's part of being a great interview is if the subject's talking, don't, yeah. you don't have to. So, Dan, why don't you why don't you call our buddy Jesse Thorne, who is both an expert on San Francisco vampires and interviews, and uh, <laughs> find out how he rates this he movie. He does talk about Dracula's a lot. Uh-huh. That's true. And he is a member of the Hollywood vampires, right? He plays with them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, guys, uh, we should do our final yeah, judgments. He, he plays, uh, what, the washboard what? <laughs> <laughs> We're the coolest, roughest, toughest Hollywood vampires. And on washboard, it's Jesse. <laughs> Is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked? Uh, Elliot, why don't you go? Uh, I was going to say this is a movie I kind of liked. I didn't think I was going to like it because I uh, have that held over prejudice from being a teen for things that are melodramatic, I guess. But then it realized mm-hmm. like, oh, no, I don't have that. I like these things now. And I think that if I had seen it when it came out, I think I would have been young enough and not confident enough in myself that the intense homoeroticism of it would have put me off somewhat as a teenage boy. But now I'm like, Yeah. Love it. Give me more of that. I love seeing it in a movie. Give me more of these homoerotic vampires. So I think not only did I kind of like it, but I like that I saw it at this point in my life and not earlier. I remember, so I saw this in the theater and it was right around the time that I was like starting to get into the like World of Darkness vampire role-playing games. So mm-hmm. at first I was put off by the idea. I'm like, oh, this is like a lame Hollywood version of cool vampire stuff that I'm into. But the movie, I remember the movie winning me over and being pretty into it at the time. Uh, and I, I think it holds up. Like, uh, I mean, it's a goofy, fun vampire movie with 
some pretty big stars. <laughs> <laughs> like it's an over the top vampire melodrama. But uh-huh. That's what I want out of it. Like yeah. I'm not looking for the same thing out of it that I'm looking at for out of like Near Dark or Dracula or Shadow the Vampire or any yeah. of those things. Like there's there's room or or The Vampire's Kiss, which was just a crazy movie. Mm-hmm. Like. There's, there's, you can have different things from different types of vampire movies. But Dan, I see that look on your face. You're shaking your head no, like a stern schoolmaster. No, not, you not, not quite. I this movie had a high bar for me to, for to clear for me because I'm not a big fan of the trope of the sexy vampire. Like the allure of vampirism has never been a thing that I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can, I understand the, yeah, I want to be a vampire, like. I don't know. I mean, I guess Wait, eternal life. Like you but. watch like Lost Boys, and you're like, I don't want to be with those dudes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and because I kind of totally would. I find a lot of this movie super goofy, but uh, you guys have kind of won me over. Like, I guess the goofiness is kind of the fun part of it. So I kind of liked it a little less than you guys, but I'm on board. I think the movie is super goofy, but it is also very sincere. And that's something that I think I would have had trouble with when I was younger is that even Tom Cruise's part where he's playing this winking, like scenery chewing vampire, no pun intended. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I hope that scenery doesn't have blood in it. Like that's the character. He's not winking at the audience being like, Hey, look how crazy I am. He's winking at the characters. And so it was like, Oh, this is like an, this is not an ironic movie. This is a movie that for all its weakness in that Brad Pitt's character is not really a full character. Like, this is a movie that takes itself very seriously, and I admire that since I feel like it was not too long after this that the idea of a horror movie that takes itself seriously kind of disappeared from the movie screens for a while. Mm-hmm. I guess in the wake of like Scream and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, it's only within the past, I don't know what, like five or 10 years that I feel like I'm seeing a lot of horror movies where it's like, no, 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 we take it seriously. This is not like we're not making a joke about scary stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like we're not commenting on scary stuff. We just want to be scary or atmospheric or what have you. And I'll tell you, you're saying that th- that some modern uh, prestige horror movies aren't don't maintain like a comfortable ironic distance from their material. Exactly. This is a movie that is not too cool to be itself. This is a movie that's like, hey, we're making a movie about these vampires who are in love with each other and also hate each other. Guess what? We think that's pretty cool. And we're just going to tell that story. And I think it, I think it helps that in a lot of the scenes that are filled with like the, uh, you know, like the boring melodrama stuff, they're like killing people at the same time. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. You know, it's uh, walking and talking. Like you got, (laughs) you guys, uh, I think Stuart, you mentioned me becoming a goth earlier. If I'd seen Uh the movie when I was a kid, it reminded me of how, when I was a kid, I really like disdained goths. Because uh-huh. I was too cool for school, you know, or whatever. And I and the thing that I think really bothered me about it was that they were so unafraid to just, like, be who they wanted to be, yep. you know, without other people, even though other people clearly, like, made fun of them like crazy at my school, at least. Yep. And so it's like, you know what? I, rather, I realize that I am – it's not that I think that it's goofy. It's that I am ashamed at my own lack of confidence in living that uh-huh. openly weird. Mm-hmm. And so – now I admire that stuff a lot. And now so that now that vampire. you've admitted that, I will give you this Ankh necklace to wear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, finally. I mean, I also never liked any of that stuff, but it's mm-hmm. like I wanted to find my version of that. There was something about like th- – there's also the, the thing of I'm going to make myself a total outcast by dressing uh-huh. like all these other people who look just like me. Here, but. here, my my friend Dave Navarro will don a cloak of raven's <laughs> feathers upon your uh, shoulders. <laughs> no, that, I mean that sounds pretty cool, but <laughs> – 
All right. I've been not saying anything in the hopes that you'll wind yourself yeah, down. And uh, finally I yeah, Dan, I said, you know I said, that's not how it works. Like... You have to interrupt us. You got to tell us to okay, stop. So what do we do now? Now uh, we do. I love Dan, Dan's idea. Like if Dan was a diplomat, he'd be like, I'll let this war just kind of work itself out till they mm-hmm. get tired of shooting each other. I don't need to get in there and negotiate. It's like, no, Dan, you got to end things. Since the dawn of time, screenwriters have taken months to craft their stories. But now, three Hollywood professionals shall attempt the impossible. Break a story in one hour. That's right. Here on Story Break, I, Freddie Wong, Matt Arnold, and Will Campos, the creators behind award-winning shows like Video Game High School, have one hour to turn a humble idea into an awesome movie. Now, an awesome movie starts with an awesome title. I chose The Billionaire's Marriage Valley. Mine was Christmas Pregnant Paradise. (laughs) Okay, next we need a protagonist. So I've heard Wario best described as libertarian, (laughs) Mario. And of course, every great movie needs a stellar pitch. In order to get to heaven sometimes you gotta raise a little hell <laughs> oh, that's the tagline <laughs> check out story break every week on maximumfun.org or wherever you get your podcasts how does this sound a weekend on a beautiful mountaintop in california you wake up eat a tasty meal with some new friends some old friends maybe the host of your favorite podcasts after that it's a couple of inspiring classes spectacular podcast tapings a hilarious stand-up showcase a dance party and more and s'mores! All of this can be yours at Max FunCon, returning to Lake Arrowhead next June. Tickets go on sale Friday, November 23rd. Put that on your calendar because Max FunCon tickets always sell out. Get a head start planning your next summer vacation and go to maxfuncon.com to learn more. Uh, now is when we talk about our sponsors. We've got two great sponsors this week. Mm-hmm. The first is Casper. The Flophouse is supported in part by Casper a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its lines of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. They offer affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to the consumer. Yeah, I mean, don't you're not Louie and Lestat. You don't have to sleep in a fucking coffin. Sleep on a sweet-ass <laughs> Casper mattress. Yeah. Like a yeah, ghost. come on. Casper brand mattresses <laughs> combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash flophouse and using promo code flophouse, all one word, at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If only vampirism had a 100, 100-night a uh, risk-free trial, then maybe uh, Louis wouldn't have gotten into that situation, That's right, guys? That's true. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, he could have had. He could have returned it. He returned the unused portion of his immortality. Yeah. Now let me just say this, guys. Yeah, Castor mattresses are super comfortable, and you get they send you a box and it pops out. It's all, it transforms almost like a person transforming into a vampire or a vampire mm-hmm. transforming into a bat. But it's a box that transforms into a comfortable mattress. If a vampire came to you in the middle of the night and you want to cast your mattress, he'd probably just lie down on it and go to sleep, and mm-hmm. you'd be saved. <laughs> that's uh, a. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not a guarantee too. that Casper makes, but it's I think that Casper we can. It's the Casper promise. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's move on to our next sponsor, uh, ZipRecruiter. Mm-hmm. They say, you know what's not smart? The way hiring used to be. Mm-hmm. Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. Now there's a smarter way at ZipRecruiter.com slash Flophouse. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology finds the right people for you 
and actively invites them to apply. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S., and this rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Flophouse. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash F-L-O-P-H-O-U-S-E. Now, if only Lestat had, had access to ZipRecruiter back in the uh, the the public houses in yeah. Louisiana, he could recruit oh, someone more interesting than Louis. Exactly. He yeah. would have, he would have he found the to, ideal candidate. To, he wouldn't to have to haunt immortality. the streets and just, just bite whoever the most handsome guy he found was. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Dan breaking in here. We had a late edition Jumbotron that we really wanted to get in because it was time sensitive to a listener's birthday. Uh, and we recorded this a little ahead of time. So uh, here's a Jumbotron from Leah to Michelle. And she writes, Happy birthday to my twin, born three years before me. You've always been one of the strongest people I know. I couldn't have made it this far without you. So here's to another year of my bad Elliot impressions making references no one else understands, and long car ride talks. I love you more than you love Sue Perkins. Awkward, sig- awkward sibling hug? I say that that way because there's a question mark. Awkward sibling hug? Uh, so that's very sweet. Uh, we like to see some affection between siblings. None of this uh, sibling scuffling. Just, just nice, sweet, familial love. Uh, if you have a Jumbotron, you can get up on the Jumbotron by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash Jumbotron. And uh, it's uh, about $100 for a personal message. I think 200 for a business message. And it's a good way of letting someone know you care or uh, getting out the information about your business uh, dealings. <laughs> that makes it sound like you're revealing secret papers through the Jumbotron. I, I just meant, you know, your business, whatever. Anyway, back to the show. Now, Elliot, you usually have something, a thing or two to say at this point in the podcast. Is that true this week or are we moving yeah, on? Yeah, th- I do have a thing or two to say about mm-hmm. the state of our country. Oh, Did you guys no. notice that? Buckle up. No. He's going to go off on a rant here. So uh, if you're listening to this episode, then we have just relatively recently had our show at Earlham College in Indiana. Thanks, Mm -hmm. everybody, for coming. It was a great show, probably. We recorded this ahead of time. Uh, But we still have our next live show coming up in January of 2019 AD at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, Wisconsin Union Theater, Saturday, January 26th at 8 p.m. Come on by if you're in the Wisconsin area and come see us talk about a movie. TBD. I don't well, yeah, we'll, we'll announce the movie soon. When we get closer to it. Maybe maybe uh, next episode. Could be. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I like that idea. But it's it's, it's going to be fun of, full of laughs, full of loves, and full of life. So please Oof. join us for that one. Something else I'd like to mention uh, is that, look, Horse Meets Dog, my children's book, uh, mm-hmm. it's in stores right now. You don't even have to pre-order it anymore. You could just go into a store and hand the person money and uh-huh. say, Horse Meets Dog. And they'll be like, what? And you'll have to say, oh, it's the new picture book by Ellie Kalen. And mm-hmm. they'll say, oh, yeah, we've been selling those like crazy. I should have recognized like, the Sir, title. This, this is a butcher shop. <laughs> we don't carry that book. <laughs> They're like, horse meat or dog meat? You got to tell me one or the other. Mm-hmm. But uh, So you go in and uh, buy one right now, Horse Meat's Dog by me and Tim Miller. Uh, kids love it. They're going to really like it a lot. By the time this 
comes out, I will have done most of my touring for it. So thanks, everybody, for coming out to those events. But uh, I think you may still have time if you listen to this like the day it comes out to come see me at Skylight Books in Los Angeles on oh. November 11th. And mm. I think I think uh, the next day, uh, Karina Longworth from uh, the – you must remember this podcast is doing something at Skylight. So I may just stay overnight. In the oh, store that's cool. Afterwards, the uh, now this is a uh, uh, you don't you don't have to answer this, uh, but when you were working on uh, potential titles for your book, were you considering dog meets horse, and then you realized that might be confusing because people might think that it's a book about dog meat, the dog character from the Fallout series owning a horse, and that is not <laughs> what the book's about. Uh, yes, that was exactly my thought process, and I'm glad that you. I'm glad you brought it up because yeah. was, it was a real worry that I had. Mm-hmm. So uh, November 11th, if you're in the Los Angeles area at Skylight Books, it's a great store. I'm going to be reading my book, and I think I might also have cookies there for people who like cookies. Oh, so if hopefully store bought, not homemade, because you don't know what's in them. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put razor blades in them. Thanks, too. Oh, Thanks oh, for no. wrecking that. But that's uh, after Halloween. But you're not if you're not in LA, just go meet, buy Horse Meets Dog right now. It's a great book. I like it, and I wrote it. Okay, so let's move on to letters. The next part the, yep. of the podcast, where we open the letters bag. Where we open the letters bag. Dive dig, right in. Dig deep to the the bottomest letter. <laughs> Yank it out. These are actually all pretty new letters. I've got such a big backlog of uh, old just, letters you, that I'm you just getting like, the fat off the top of the soup. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this one's from. <laughs> This this first letter is from Adam, last name withheld. Mm -hmm. No last name, first man. Mm Who (laughs) writes, Thank you for hundreds of hours of entertainment that has been the glue that has helped prepare this frazzled nerves of this overworld. uh, Sorry, the frazzled nerves of this overworked high school English teacher, actor, fight choreographer, and prop maker. That sounds fun. So we've we've got a real split situation here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're all living in one body and they're coming together to make the beast. Mm hmm. My taste in movies most closely matches Elliot's, and I have a soft spot for movies from the 30s and 40s. On my girlfriend and my second date, I cooked her dinner and we watched Casablanca. I was adventurous with the meal, making a recipe that I'd never tried before, but I played it safe with the movie, as a friend of hers and fellow movie buff reminded us. And this guy sounds like an asshole. This guy is like... Wow. Well, no, the one, one, not the letter writer, the one who's like, Casablanca sounds a little basic. Mm-hmm. Oh like, yeah, yeah. That guy, I think you can uh, you can eighty six. Anyway, wait, wait. You want him to murder him? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said uh, Casablanca is kind of an amateur move. In my defense, she had never seen it, and both it and the meal went over splendidly. Wait, the book it went over splendidly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly. This is a pretty tame story compared to some of our friends whose second date consisted of a viewing of Human Centipede. My question Mm -hmm. is this. What movie do you guys recommend as an ideal date movie? Do you have any date movie stories, funny or otherwise? Keep on flopping in the free world, Adam, last name withheld. Uh, So it's a two-part question. I've got an answer for the second part, but I don't necessarily know what... uh, a good date movie is. I mean, I don't know. It's like, it depends on who you are and who the date is. Like there's some people where going to see like return of the living dead would be a fantastic date movie. And there's some people where that would not be a good date movie. And you're better off seeing, I don't know what a league of their own. Like it depends on the people involved. It's hard to say what, what's a good date movie, I guess, unless like, I mean, there's, I mean, there's one pretty obvious answer and it's dirty dancing. That movie rules. 
That's true. That's well, yeah, I guess that's a pretty good date movie. But what it's like it's see it what that what the question implies to me, which is to say nothing against Adam, that what the question implies to me is that uh when you are dating someone, you're just kind of looking for the steps that you can go through to success. That's not uh-huh. how human relationships work. You got to uh-huh. make a real connection with the person. So I guess, so let's uh, skip over maybe the first part of the question, go to the second. Do you have any fun uh, or weird date movie stories? Uh, well, I mean, I once had a very hot date to the movie Million Dollar Baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to have a very, uh, like a really successful date at. And in retrospect, it felt like that episode of Seinfeld where he makes out with his girlfriend during Schindler's List because yeah. they're just looking for a private place to go. Uh-huh. But it was like, there was a lot going on in the seats during that screening of Million Dollar Baby, <laughs> a movie about a woman who is boxed into a coma. <laughs> <laughs> so the story that I remember is from college uh, when, so this, so Sarah, the woman who up until recently I was married to, um, mm-hmm. Uh, that's for the uh, the listeners, not for you two. You were familiar you. with Sarah. Yeah, yeah, I know Sarah. Um, oh yeah, that was the little that was the little asterisk box at the bottom of the panel that said "See Dan's former marriage, smile and stand." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, so we had briefly uh, broken up w- while she was abroad, mm-hmm. and uh, and then she wrote me a letter saying that she wanted to get back together, and I was thrilled with this because I was head over heels and. Um, at the time, I was about to go You're out. Like, uh, like in a Bazooka Joe comic? Yeah, I did a flip take. <laughs> awesome. But at the time... Did you I, hurt yourself? Or? <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a woman on campus who, like, we had been sort of circling around each other a little bit, and uh, finally we were going to go out on a date, and I got this letter from Sarah right before this date that I was going to go on, and I told her, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, like, I really, like, I, I, I can't do this, I'm into this other person i've i've been in love with her uh but if you want to we can still go out and see this movie god damn it and Dan. like i was the worst thing that i've ever done not the worst <laughs> thing but like i just i feel like guilty about it like years later because like she took me up on it and so what did you see? we went out and we saw wonder boys and i had a great time seeing wonder uh, boys and i think she probably had a terrible time seeing wonder boys like sitting through it and being like what am i doing here why am i still uh, yeah, it was awful. <laughs> That's pretty great. Uh, okay. I remember an early movie that my wife and I watched together that we really connected with was uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, and we both I haven't watched it in a while, but I remember we both hold it in pretty high esteem. Uh, and it just kind of reminds us of that period in our relationship. And I also remember having a pretty, uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would call it a date, but some of the consequences were similar to the consequences of a date, uh, after <laughs> <Right>. watching, <laughs> after watching the movie, uh, crash directed by David Cronenberg. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so that sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think we failed to answer the main question. I would say, what's a good date movie? Pick a movie you like a lot and put yourself out there and see if the person responds to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this this next letter is from Danielle, last name withheld. Mm-hmm. This is Elliot's wife, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is the only way we communicate now is through letters through the Flophouse, but Dan never chooses them because he's so far behind, so mm-hmm. it's really ruined my relationship. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> she writes, Hi there, you funny duders. In, the fir- in a few weeks here, I'll be having my first baby. And my husband and I are already getting some back in my days to trot out when the kid doesn't appreciate the world of convenience they were born into. Mm-hmm. Things like 
in my day, we didn't have streaming services. So if you wanted to watch a movie, you had to hope there was something on cable. And there probably wasn't because there were only 51 channels and most of them were boring, grown-up stuff. And if you did find a movie to watch, your dad would come home to work from work and change the channel to watch the Broncos game. And you'd never find out whether they managed to escape to which mountain or not. Mm-hmm. So oh, Yeah, we all had that experience. <laughs> I remember it very well. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any back-in-my days I can add about how the movies have changed in the last few decades? I'm roughly the same age as y'all. So they will be relevant. Don't worry if they're a bit blue, a.k.a. about dong ripping. I'll write them down, seal them in an envelope, and hand them to the kid on their 18th birthday. Danielle, last name with him. I mean, I feel like uh, dudes getting their dongs ripped off is a timeless part of cinema. I don't think it's dedicated to any one part. One, any one it's part. one of the yeah, seven from, plots. From, yeah. from Castle Freak to Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> Here's our salute to dongs being hurt in movies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't realize you were working on the Oscars this year. Oh, yeah, that's that's the one they gave me. I'm like, it's been very hard to make a televisable version, but I think we're going to do it. <laughs> I mean, they're trying to drum up uh, viewership, so I think that'll help. That'd be so funny. Like, like uh, It's like uh, like Chadwick Boseman and Melissa McCarthy walk out, and they're like, the male dong has for years been a source of entertainment, wonder, and horror. <laughs> Here's our salute. To things happening to dongs in cinema uh, for the for a hundred years, the dong has been a real supporting member of the cast. <laughs> like, uh, anyway, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, like, I feel like a lot of people talk about how the experience of going to the VHS store, like the video. Oh yeah. I mean, and browsing for. I mean, it's it's the same thing as browsing endlessly through Netflix, but in a physical space and a lot more, but I think it was a lot more fun because you got to like, look at the box art and turn it over and read the descriptions. And, and you, and you were kind of, I mean, you, you weren't, but you kind of were stuck with your choices. It wasn't like you could watch two minutes and be like, Oh no, yeah, I'll just change. Like instead you're like, fuck, I guess I'm going to be drinking Mountain Dew to this all night. Yeah. And and there's like, (laughs) there's a lot of responsibility making that choice. And I found like there were a couple of times where I was as the cineast in the family, given that responsibility solely, like, you know, mm-hmm. like here's a couple bucks. Go to like take your bike down to the video store, get something. <laughs> like and... ski school two, huh? <laughs> okay. Well, my parents <laughs> haven't seen part one, but I think they'll be able to follow it. <laughs> I'll just I'll give them a quick recap beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I'll cut together a presentation. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of weight in that decision, you know. Yeah. Man, huh. and I also remember the I love the trailers before VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. That was great. Oh, that was your chance to see movies that otherwise – hear of movies you otherwise would never have heard of is other things that like Vidmark was putting out or yeah. distributing. Like amazing. Uh-huh. I will say this. I took my son to the movie theater yesterday and we had an experience that I thought he wasn't going to have, which was walking down the hall. We were looking at all the posters for movies that are coming out soon mm-hmm. and talking about like, oh, what's this? What does this look like? Let's talk like – and figuring learning what movies were coming out from the posters Mm -hmm. it's how i learned that there's a will ferrell sherlock holmes comedy coming out dan i think you're gonna love it Uh it looks like they're really they're really doing a great job with with the holmes canon uh Uh, but it's like uh it was a very it was just a really fun thing for us to do this thing that i remember doing with my parents we were like looking at the coming posters knowing almost nothing about them other than what it said on the poster and trying to figure out what the movies were so that was really sweet yeah so you can you can do those back in my day things as long as you were the four year old who has no access to the internet. 
Yeah, I mean, I think as far as like the content of the movies, I think uh, like the the back in my day that I always bring up is just the is just the quality of practical or the prevalence of practical special effects over digital effects. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even the movie we watched uh, for this week, Interview with the Vampire. Like one of the reasons, uh, once again, according to IMDb trivia, one of the reasons why uh, why the movie was a difficult shoot is because they had so much makeup effects because they would literally hang the vampire actors upside down to get the like blood out of their faces or blood to their faces. Um, and that's the sort of thing that like a modern vampire movie is like, nah, we'll just uh, we'll add some sparkles in post. It's fine. Uh, yeah, we'll just CGI those veins on. And I, I, I mean, I think the, uh, you know, the, the, the restrictions that, uh, physical stuff makes leads to some interesting choices. But, uh, as far as like just movie experiences, yeah. I mean, like the, the video store is the biggest one for me easily. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there was a, there was a, it was a lot easier to avoid spoilers because they didn't exist because nobody knew what a movie was, what was going to happen in a movie back then. Yeah, the, like, the closest thing to a spoiler is like a kid telling you what happens in Rambo 3 on the playground, and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but th- this idea that you're supposed to you're supposed to be curious about what happens in the movie to the point of finding out ahead of time before the movie comes out is kind of crazy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I think my main spoiler person was my mom who would go see these like see like RoboCop or Predator or something and like tell me stuff about it. Uh, yeah, that was great. This last letter is from Marcus mm-hmm. who writes. You sounded unsure, Dan. You're the one with the letter in front of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he writes, I recently saw Baywatch and found it endearingly dumb. Mm-hmm. Dan would love that at the end a gorgeous blonde slaps her bikini brief butt while saying Cinnabons. <laughs> Wait, so yeah. is that the end of the movie? That's the final shot. No, but I am. I. I. It does. Uh, it does endear me to this movie that that happens. That sounds so stupid. Uh, what I'm. I am kind of curious what the context is. They're like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, does it? Is there a lead up, or does she just jump into the camera frame, un, unplanned, and just do that, and then security escorts her away? <laughs> <laughs> they're like I guess you're you gotta su- leave it in the movie you're suggesting that she was not an actress is what you're yeah, saying yeah yeah okay. it's one of those it's one of those things yeah where they're like it wasn't planned but it happened on camera and it was so great we left it in yeah mm-hmm. like that scene in the beginning of Hard Day's Night when they're running and was it George falls down flat on his face on the sidewalk and John Lennon just laughs his head off because it wasn't planned and also he likes seeing his friends get hurt <laughs> <laughs> yeah well he was kind of an asshole uh, <laughs> yep but uh, he goes on to say, what remake or update have you seen that you think is better than the original source movie or TV production? I anticipate Elliot saying that the 1941 edition of the Maltese Falcon is better than the two predecessors. Thanks. I actually, I was going to say that, but then I started thinking, I don't really think of those as remakes. I think of them as new adaptations of the same material. Yeah. Anyway, Mar- uh, that's from Marcus' last name, Unknown. Um, oh, yeah, you got some hot ones, Dan? Uh, I think that the one that fire? would spring to most of our minds is uh, the John Carpenter, The Thing. Not to mm-hmm. say that The Thing from Another World is not I've never seen a it. good movie. It is. It's all right. But it's, it's fun. It's a little, I mean, it's a little slow paced and the monster's a little silly. But uh, but it's worth watching if you're a fan of old science fiction horror movies. But the, the, the Thing remake is just 
a classic of horror filmmaking. The th- the May- maybe thing- my favorite horror movie. I'm not sure. The John Carpenter thing is a work of art, like a real work of beautiful, mm-hmm. disgusting art in the way that the original is not. And I think it's crazy that when it came out, people were like, I, just the fact that that movie, when it came out, people thought it was garbage is crazy. Yeah. But I think a lot of people were unfairly comparing it to the original The Thing more because Howard Hawks had been involved with the original th- thing mm-hmm. rather than because they were like, oh, this is really – this is a really amazing movie. I was reading – I was doing – I was trying to come up with ideas for this, and I stumbled on a web page for this question. I stumbled on a web page that mentioned that Time Magazine called the original thing the best science fiction movie of the 1950s, which is ludicrous. The Day the Earth Stood Still is the best science fiction movie of the 1950s. That's crazy, Time Magazine. Come mm-hmm. on. Some rose-colored backwards-looking glasses, dudes. Okay. Those are fancy glasses, both (laughs) rose-colored and backwards-looking. It's like some Dr. Jacoby would wear in two weeks, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But in a similar vein, I think that the remake of The Fly is a better movie than the original The Fly. Mm. The the 80s was this period where there are a couple of remakes of old movies that are like – where they took kind of these what were fine movies and turned them into like really interesting, really good movies – and the thing in the flyer, a couple of those, and like, I don't know if it really counts because it's an adaptation of a stage show that was adapting the original movie. But like, you compare the '80s Little Shop of Horrors and the original Little Shop of mm-hmm. Horrors, and it's like you're watching a movie, and then you go back in the original, and you're like, oh, this is like an idea for a movie that somebody like <laughs> threw together. So, I mean, yeah. since they shot the movie in like three days. Well, yeah, no, like, it was like some friends in a weekend, basically, is what it, it feels like, and is basically what is true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but guys, this is going to make me a little unpopular. Uh Mm I'm going to say, I think the departed is a better movie than infernal affairs. Interesting. Japanese movie. It was based on. Interesting. No, not Japanese. Was it, was infernal affairs? Yeah, it was Japanese, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I I thought it was a Hong Kong movie. I can't remember if it's, if it was from Hong Kong or Japan. And I apologize if that makes me a racist. I haven't seen it since it came out. Uh, I, I actually haven't seen it. So, Oh no! Yeah, sorry, That's it's not Japanese. It's yeah, Andy Lau was in it. That's right. It's a Hong Kong movie. The original Infernal Affairs. It's like a great idea for a movie, and it doesn't quite come together. And The Departed is like, aside from the fact that it uses the same Dropkick Murphy song over and over again, which is really irritating. <laughs> uh, it's uh, I I think it's a really good movie. And even the part at the end where that rat runs across the screen, and people were like, "Oh," I was like, "Yeah, that's great. I love it." Like, come on, why not? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. That did. That yeah, didn't Marty. Me. Why not? <laughs> Like you're looking for subtlety from this movie about like this crazy plan that would never happen in real life of someone going undercover with a mob, but nobody telling the police that this guy's going undercover with the mob. Like, come on. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that those letter answers helped you in some yeah, way. I don't, I don't really have an answer for this oh, okay. one. Like, like I, I forgot like, that you hadn't said anything. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I like I like Ringu and I like the Ring, and I think they're both like equal, they have their own strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I mean, this is a little lowbrow, but like, uh, I, I definitely prefer the movie version of 21 jump street to the TV show. Oh, sure. Uh, but I mean, that's like the, that's the same as this Baywatch letter. I think that counts. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, but moving on. And and, and that chips movie was a lot better than the chips show, right? (laughs) All of that. (laughs) So now's the point where we recommend a movie that. Uh, you should watch whether or not you know you watch Interview with the Vampire, which yeah, maybe we all do a, a double feature. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I'll go. I watched First Man just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was a it was a day that I kind of it was one of those days where I bought the ticket to see a movie. Oh boy, this is full journal entry. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm it adding- was a day like dear dear Flophouse Forum. It was a day like any other. Uh, I bought a ticket to see First Man on a rainy Sunday, little knowing it would lead to an erotic adventure, the likes of which I could only imagine. Long, long time movie watcher, first time reviewer. I'm trying to add a little color to my view. Let's just say Neil Armstrong wasn't the only one landing on a moon that day. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not say that. <laughs> this is not where this was going. So Dan, I, tell us more about this about this adventure. No, I. It was one of those days where you buy a movie ticket like earlier in the day, and then when it comes time to go to the movie, you're like, uh, "Do I really have the energy to do this? Like, do I want to do this? Do like there are other things I could be doing, you know?" And I went to the movie, and I was interested in it from the very beginning, like whatever you know, ennui or whatever had had kept me from maybe wanting to go to the movie. Whatever swept away. like malaise had befallen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, you transformed into a Lestat upon seeing the film. And uh, I realized after seeing this movie that I, I like movies about the early days of the space program. Like I enjoy like Apollo 13, Hidden Figures, especially the right stuff. Uh, I think that there's just obviously something inherently dramatic in it. The, these people reaching for something bigger than themselves and often dying in the process. Uh, and uh, First Man is very good at putting you inside the head of the protagonist, Neil Armstrong, and having you like really feel the danger of everything that he's doing every step of the way, like how everything is sort of slapped together with spit and gum and uh and what a amazing accomplishment it was to do it with this early technology and uh it was just a lot of it was it was very moving um and it was uh that's a remake of wallace and gromit uh a day out <laughs> yeah. yeah fine day out yeah, yeah. um <laughs> but that's that's all i really have to say about that first man i enjoyed it a lot cool uh, I'm going to recommend another movie that, uh, showed up on Netflix this month. Uh, what that's like three Fridays in a row that big, crazy, uh, genre pictures have just appeared on Netflix. Um, basically unheralded. Uh, I'm going to recommend the movie. The night comes for us. It's an, Eden- not, it comes at night. I mean, I've already recommended that. Uh, this That's is a true. very different type of movie than it comes at night. Um, so this movie is an Indonesian uh, crime martial arts movie, and it is it features two of the leads from the raid. So if you saw Gareth Evans' movie The Apostle last week and were like, oh, I was hoping for something more like a raid three, uh, this is totally that movie. So... It's just filled wall to wall with dudes kicking the shit out of each other. It is an A plus number one ass beater of a movie. Uh, Similar to the raid two, it's probably bogged down a little bit by too much plotting. Uh, But when the like, when the action scenes start happening, it's like anything that you, you start seeing every new set piece as like, Oh no, there's a pool table. Somebody's going to get their face smashed in with a pool ball. Uh, and there, there were just so many, uh, there were so many, Oh shit moments. Um, so if you're looking for a super duper crazy action movie, uh, I would, uh, go over to your Netflix queue, grab the night comes for us, drag it over to your watch box, double click <laughs> that, and then, uh, buckle your fucking seatbelt. 
Okay, uh, in a similar vein, I'm going to recommend uh, a movie from the 70s about a man in middle age struggling with the decisions he made earlier <laughs> in his life. Uh, I'm going to recommend uh, the movie Save the Tiger from 1973 with Jack Lemmon. Now, it's a little hard in this day and age to uh, recommend a movie that is essentially about a well-off middle-aged white man realizing that he's unhappy with his life. But there were a lot of these made in the 70s uh, that that are very good. And it shows you really what kinds of people were making movies in the 1970s, that there was a prevalence of these movies about middle-aged guys who are just like, oh, is this what I worked all this time for? But uh, Jack Lemmon is playing a guy who runs a garment company. He co-owns it with uh, a man played by Jack Guilford. Uh, and they realize that unless they do something drastic, they are both not going to be able to keep the company open and also they might be on the hook for some fraud that they committed to keep the company open the previous year. And so he is trying to, to – he's debating and arguing with his partner about whether they should deliberately burn down one of their factories for the insurance money. And the movie is about making that decision, but it's also about this guy who like is wandering through life very looking at where America is in the 70s and remembering the men he knew who died in World War II and is asking himself basically like all those men died and this is kind of what we got out of it is this country that doesn't seem to work and people don't like each other and blah, blah, blah. And what I did with my life is not worthy of what those men sacrificed them for and is having a kind of a nervous breakdown over it. And Jack Lemmon is really great in it. It's a really 70s movie. It's shot uh, in and around Los Angeles and on real locations and it looks, you know – it's got that great beige 70s grime that I love so much. And until the ending, a lot of these movies, unfortunately, involve the middle-aged man then sleeping with a young hippie woman as a way of, like, bringing life back into his life. Yeah, finding and, himself. Yeah, this movie falls into that trap, but it kind of, and it do, that doesn't quite work, but spoiler alert, it really doesn't save him, and it does not have the effect that that would normally have in a movie like this. So uh, it's worth it. Just to like see Jack Lemmon playing this character who in a way is similar to his character in Glenn, Glary Glenn Ross except he, he's even more at his wit's end and even more showing that he's coming apart at the seams. And I really liked it a lot even though – again, like I said, you got to be in the mood to watch a movie about a guy who seemingly has it all but is still upset with his life and unhappy about it. So that's Save the Tiger with Jack Lemmon. All this, right. this is the movie that – this is the movie Jack Lemmon won his Best Actor Academy Award for. So oh. that's how good it is. That's how good it is. Nobody ever wins Academy Awards for things that are not good. Mm-hmm. Never ever in the history of the Academy Awards. They're mm-hmm. perfect. So, guys, uh, well, this has been a fun experiment with a different sort of Flophouse episode. Okay. <laughs> are you dumping us? Uh, so, yeah, so we uh, our show is on the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. There's a ton of other great shows you can find over at what maximumfun.org is that's that right? It? Um, tons of other shows both about pop culture, about comedy. Uh, check them out and uh, if you get a chance and you're so inclined, head over to iTunes and rate or review our little show. Because uh, it helps. Yeah, if you want to tweet about us with the hashtag Flophouse, mm-hmm. that would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on Twitter at, at the Flophouse Pod, mm-hmm. uh, and also all three of us are just on Twitter on our own. Uh, yeah, leave us reviews wherever you listen to the podcasts. Tell people about us. Whatever you want to do, get the word out. Buy some commercials on local TV airtime, maybe <laughs> some ads in the newspaper, billboards, whatever you want to do to get the word out. We are pretty much okay with it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, thank you for that. But don't buy three billboards. Well, it depends <laughs> on, on where you're on locating TV right them. now. I don't think it's that great. <laughs> okay. I got to admit, that was a movie I was so curious to watch because I was like, people really have strong emotions about it. And we started watching it on HBO and about a half hour in, I was like, mm, I think I got to go do the dishes. Yeah. And I just have not had much interest in returning to it. So again, but they won Academy Awards for it. So maybe I'm wrong. Mm hmm. Uh, all right, guys. <laughs> the way you said that doesn't make it sound like you think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm doing that thing that you asked me to do earlier, where I just interrupt you and uh, take, oh, take the wheel. Look at him learn. You're doing it great. I love it. Yeah, take the lead. So uh, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington, and I'm holding Dan's cat, Archie. I'm Elliot Kalen, and I'm so impressed and proud of the way Dan has found the confidence and also the strength to really take the reins of the show and lead it where he wants to go. Uh, he's becoming more of an auteur. About Wait, the hold podcast, on. I've got to do really it again. <laughs> Let's stop. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. What? So, uh, Dan, uh, I just, uh, yesterday my son drew a stick figure. Oh, yeah? goes, this looks like Dan. And he went <laughs> Dan over the top of it. I'll send you a picture of it. I'll do that later today. Oh, that's so Where, sweet. Was the stick figure covered in defining features? Uh, he had three fingers on each hand and three toes on each foot. Yep. It sounds like it's Dan doing tea. <laughs> yeah, uh, completely bald, no hair, uh, no clothes, but the body had no discernible genitalia. It was just sticks. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, and the look on the face I would call puckish. <laughs> okay, well I like that. <laughs> that 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 makes me feel a little better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's got a he's got a very uh, positive view of you. He talks about you all the time. Oh, that's Stuart. Nice. He talks about sometimes. There was one time when, oh, what was it? I was talking about. I was yeah. like, do you remember this kid that you knew in in New York? And we used to, and we were friends with the, his family. And he goes. Stuart? <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. I mean, that so he, sounds like me, a kid. <laughs> so, so Sammy might think you're like a little a kid. kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I figured that, I figured that y- he would mention me when you're like walking by, uh, by an alleyway and there's like a raccoon digging through the garbage and he stops and thinks for a second that he's like, Dad, do you talk to Stuart anymore? <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.